Hello and welcome to the Hurricane Pod, a podcast about living with mental illness and surviving the best that you can. The idea of being a hurricane is that you embrace the storm, the mess and the beauty and the power and the destruction and all the things that come with it. Hello and welcome back to the Eye of the Storm, although I think you're probably already in it because it is, drumroll, I can't drumroll, I don't have sound effects, what kind of budget do you think I have? Um, It's exam season, woo, everybody's favourite time of year, am I right? (laughs) I'm so in denial about the fact that it's exam season and I have many deadlines approaching and many long sitting in rooms writing essays things completely pretending that it's not existing which is boding really well for the next month or so anyway I hope you are surviving because I know that it's hella hard and sometimes we just think, why is this not over? If this can't be over, why am I not over? So if you're thinking that, please, please reach out for help because you don't have to do this alone. Anyway, because it's exam season, it's quite hard to coordinate my schedule with other people's. So this episode is a little bit different. I'm going to do another solo episode like I did at the beginning of the year. Was it New Year? Yeah, it was New Year. I asked the Facebook group, which you can join if you just send me a message on Twitter, if they had any questions for me, and I asked Twitter as well. Yeah, they're really good questions. I'm also going to do the lightning round, because I think about them a lot, the questions, and also I just really want to talk about music, so (laughs) yeah. If you like this episode, or the podcast in general please share it on the social medias because that's cool and also please if you haven't already leave a rating and review on itunes because that helps the podcast go up in the itunes world slightly and hopefully exposes it to other people exposes other people to the podcast which oh i feel like i'm blowing my own trumpet here but i think is important right because what we're doing is talking about things that aren't talked enough about and that matters so yeah anyway on to the show I don't know why I had to do that in a stupid voice (sighs) okay the first question is from Anna I'm assuming you guys know who Anna is Anna is a previous podcast guest what episode was it it was a long time ago. They will return to the podcast as well, probably many times, because we just have so many things in us. Anyway, Anna's question, or first question is, I love you, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, question mark. So it is a question. And to that, I respond, I love you, too. And that can be for everyone who's listening to the podcast, but also especially Anna, sorry but we're just on another level here, so, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, Anna has another quote-unquote real question, which is, how do you hold on to hope? Which is a beautiful question, and it's funny because I am not always hopeful. I move constantly between total despair and hope. But when I'm hopeful, I'm really hopeful, 
it's possibly a manic thing, but hey. I'm actually going to start with Anna's own ideas, <laughs> because I think two, three years ago, they wrote me a letter which I stick on my wall wherever I am, because it's one of my favourite things. And on that, they wrote a very important list, all of those capital letters. I think the things on the list perfectly sum up what keeps me hopeful. So the first one is you. I love you so much, they say. Which, you know, I'm just... In case you were in any doubt that Anna and I are... We have intense love for each other. There you go. Um, and then, more generally, my lovely friends. And they said, friendship keeps me alive. And I think that's really important because... When I am in my despairing times and I'm thinking, I am the worst person in the world, I am a terrible human being, there is someone who is there saying, nah, actually, you're pretty decent, mate. Which, you know, is appreciated. But also, like, they'll be there if I'm in a really bad state. My amazing friend Arpana recently was just texting me all day long, listening to me ramble about how awful I feel and it's just always super supportive. I used to have <laughs> crying fits, I guess, in our college canteen, and our partner would just, like, take me outside onto the field and pep-talk me intensely <laughs> until I was laughing because she was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> the next thing is the colour red. And I agree, red is just a really great, powerful colour, but I would like to say... For me, purple is the colour. Purple is, like, the best colour ever, in my humble opinion. The next one is the fucking sunshine. Many capital letters there. And, yeah, I think... I mean, everyone who knows me knows that I am a summer baby. I mean, I'm not, because I was born in October. But... I belong to somewhere far warmer than the UK and far sunnier than the UK. Flame and neck. And when the sun comes out, I'm just a happier, better version of myself, always. But also, I think, the fact that it keeps going, it keeps burning and brightly and being amazing. I love the sun. The sun gives me hope. The next one... Oh gosh, it's in them. Um, oh, the next one is autumn leaves falling. I also, I definitely... The thing about this is it's dying, right? The tree is dying, or the leaves are dying. But I think what's amazing about it is seeing beauty in that kind of decay, which sounds really fucked up, right? But it's like nature has a cycle, and you also know that it will grow green leaves again. And I think that's what gives me hope because it's like, even when it's over, I, th I think you know what I'm saying, yeah? I, I, I sort of do. <laughs> the next one is poetry. And analysts Emily Dickinson, Andrew Gibson, and Harry Styles. And to those of you who don't know Harry Styles as a poet, you're ignorant. <laughs> 
because Harry Styles in his very being is a poet and I think I should just say that Harry Styles in general is probably my main source of hope in the world because everything about him is pure and perfect and wonderful. One day there will be a, just a One Direction episode where me and Anna talk about how One Direction saved our lives over and over and over. Yeah. And now I'm getting emotional, like, genuinely. Oof. I've, I've recently had the realisation that they're probably not coming back as a band. Um, sorry if that um, offends anyone. But I, I kind of... With Harry's solo stuff and, you know, he's touring, which is so exciting. And if I don't get tickets, I'm going to murder someone. Um, what was I saying? Yes, I was saying that I don't think they're coming back, which I did not let myself think. And, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of hard. <laughs> um, I love the solo stuff so far, but, you know, nothing will ever beat. One Direction for me. Um, okay, and now I'm getting really silly and emotional. Um, give me a moment. Hmm. Okay, I'm recentered, people. The next one is reading, which Anna writes three times. Reading, reading, reading! Exclamation mark. And it's true. Books give me hope. One, they give me an escape from my head, which is nice. But also, I think when I see stories work out and the way that people's imaginations are amazing and infinite, like, how is Nat not the most amazing and hope-bringing thing in the world? Because we can create anything inside our heads. And that makes me think, okay, so I can create all these, like, horrible intrusive thoughts, but I can also create, like, magical worlds and cool people that I would want to be friends with if they existed outside of my head and just beautiful love stories and whatnot. Yeah. Next one is probably the best, which is the fact that the sky is always there. Seriously, how? Yeah. <clears throat> when I look up at the sky and I think it's just a constant presence and that's amazing, really. That's all I have to say. The next one is flowers blooming. Yeah, that gives me hope because it's growth. It's this constant growth and that's amazing. The next one is glitter, rainbows, queerness. Yes, the queer community gives me hope because we have survived so fucking much and we keep surviving so fucking much. And that's a fucking miracle. And yes, I realise that unfortunately not everyone survives it all, which is sad, but there is still... I think we are still thriving and we are still surviving and that's amazing. <laughs> but also it gives me hope that like I can feel comfortable in myself, I guess. Yeah. The next one is being outside. Yeah. I think that definitely links to the sun and the sky, but being outside is what gives me hope. I was just um writing the other day about how swimming outdoors is like my favorite thing, which I've been doing, I did a lot last month in April. And there's just something so freeing about it. The next one is people who are cool. So 
so yeah I'd yes people who are cool give you hope and I don't I mean I'd neither me or Anna mean like cool in that really annoying way but like people who just respect and admire for doing cool shit against the odds and making stuff because they need to make stuff like I that inspires me and makes me feel like yeah I can do things and there is good in the world the next one is mistakes and I love that because you can come back from mistakes they don't have to define everything and you can learn from them and I think that is amazing because whenever things feel wrong you can just think oh but it won't always be this wrong I will grow from this and that gives me hope. And the final one is the most important one, and I've kind of already mentioned it, but one die fucking rection. Yeah, one day, like always. That is my greatest love in the whole world, essentially. And they give me hope, even though they have disbanded. I am convinced they are all still friends. I guess Sane and everyone aren't all still friends, but, like, the rest of them are. Every time I listen to them, I feel more alive and more happy and more, like, in the zone. Yeah. So that's how I find hope and keep hope. Which is funny, because I basically just answered Anna's question with their own stuff. But, hey... Anna, you inspire me, and you help me hold on to hope. And I know that sounds, oh my god, that sounds really corny, but like, yeah. When we and our other friends met, was it like three years ago now? That was life-changing, and I know that people say life-changing, and it's like, yeah, was it really? But I mean, yeah, that was life-changing. Thank you for being in my life. And now I'm getting soppy again, okay, stop. The next question is from Lauren, who is City of Spooks on the Twitter and will um, be on the podcast at some point in the vaguely near future. So Lauren says, what is your best advice for someone going through a really rough mental health patch? That's difficult because it really depends on the kind of thing you're dealing with and where it comes from. So I can only really give kind of generic advice to that and say that if you're having a really tough time, as difficult as it is, you really need to prioritise self-care. And I don't necessarily mean all the things that we think of as self-care. I mean, those are important too if you can do that. But the basics, stripping it back, you know, take your medication if you're on it. Sleep or try to sleep. I know that's really hard for some people. It's hard for me. But, you know, just resting even is really important. Um, Trying to socialise, even if it's in really small doses, even if the best you can do is, like, a Skype call with your friend, it's just nice to feel connected to the world. Um, Shower. Showering, if you can do it, is... I don't know, I just feel better in the shower and after the shower. And showers quiet my thoughts, I find, a lot. Book an appointment with your doctor or psychiatrist or someone if you can because that's what their job is, is to support you through this. So please do. So I feel like that's a bit lacklustre as an answer, but it's really hard 
because it really does, I think, depend on the situation and, like, what mental health stuff you're dealing with. Because, like, my advice for someone who's, I don't know, feeling triggered in eating disorder recovery, for example, is going to be super different to someone who is having panic attacks out of nowhere or seemingly out of nowhere is going to be different to someone who is suicidal. And obviously those all three things can come together. Unfortunately, they often do, but, you know, they require different things, basically. But I think the basis of self-care is the key to all of it. And I know that's a lot easier said than done. But yeah. And if you are going through a really, really rough time and you feel like you don't have anyone to talk to, please like message me on Twitter or if you're in the Facebook group, you can post in the Facebook group. Like please, you always there is always someone. So the next one is from Ellen and Pip. They both wanted to know, and I think it's probably quite a useful one at this point. So it's how do you deal with exam season? I'm probably the worst person in the world to answer this question because, as I said earlier, I'm just in denial, which probably isn't the best way to cope. And I've also never really been very good at it. I've, I'm usually in denial until, like, the day before. And I wouldn't recommend that because it's really stressful. Like, super stressful. Like I said to Lauren's question, I'd say focusing on the basics of self-care is really important because I get that there's not always time to, or doesn't feel like there's time to go out and, I don't know, go to a party or go to a gig or go to the movies or whatever. Uh, if you can do that or you feel like you can do that, great, do it, because it's so good to escape from it all. But yeah, stripping back to the basics, making sure that you are eating properly, trying to sleep properly, you know, going for little walks if that's something you like. Alternatively, take breaks to dance around your room and sing along to a song, get all your, like, ahs out, which is really helpful for me. Talking to people, again, like, keeping up some kind of social contact, even if you're just revising together in a room and you're not actually talking, it's nicer than revising on your own. I know that that can be hard for some people because it can be distracting. <laughs> I remember in my AS levels, we had, like, a study session quote-unquote, for, like, our English literature revision. <laughs> it was a fail. We went for lunch and had sushi, and we played mash and laughed at each other and weird stuff. No, no poetry revision was actually done that day. Oh, well. But in general, I think if you can be more disciplined than we were at 17, then that is a good one because it's nice to be in other people's company. I would also say that exam season is not the time to challenge yourself in other ways. So if you're going through eating disorder recovery like I am, now is not the time to be like, hey, I'm going to try this new fear food or I'm going to like stop counting this or like whatever your issue is like now is not the time to be trying to conquer that because that's really anxiety provoking and you just don't need that right now similarly I'd say if you know you have PTSD or like trauma triggers 
or things that make you super anxious and cause panic attacks, like, now isn't really the time to be exposing yourself to difficult things, you know, as much as you can avoid them. I realise sometimes they aren't avoidable, but, you know, if you're in therapy, for example, and your therapist wants to expose you to stuff, you need to say, like, now, no, no. Okay, the last few questions come from Ellen, who is a guest from three episodes ago, I think it was. So Ellen asks, do you have any good things that are soothing? I'd say I partly already covered this in Anna's question about hope, because the main answer is Harry Styles and One Direction in general, but I'd say for soothing Harry in particular, there are long compilation videos on YouTube if you type in Harry Styles talking or Harry Styles' voice, where you just listen to him talk, and particularly early on the hiatus when I just missed listening to him speak in that really deep and slow and way, which is really comforting. I, I listen to those so much. But in general, like, I think it's partly my attachment to him, obviously, but it is also the fact that his voice is just... Oh, oh I, I love Harry, if you hadn't already guessed. Um, and Ellen, I really recommend you checking that out because you need to understand more about... The wonder that is Harry Styles and One Direction in general. Just just putting that out there. Other things that I find soothing are nice smells and things that feel nice on my skin. So my skincare routine basically soothes me. I use a face wash with lavender in it and that's really nice because then I feel like cosy and kind of when I moisturise all over my body it's more I don't know what smells that are in my body moisturiser at present, but it's really nice, basically. And obviously it's really si soft and, like, silky. And that's soothing, I find. Also showers. Showers are so soothing. I fucking love showers. I like baths too, but actually I prefer showers and I find them more comforting. But that's just me. If baths are your jam, baths are your jam. And I guess music, in general, is what I find soothing. It's funny because most of the music I listen to is not conventionally soothing because I listen to some upbeat pop rock or, like, rock and punk and pop punk and that kind of thing. So it's not what you would understand as soothing, maybe, but for me, like, the bands that feel like home and when I hear the voices of the singers, I feel safe. That's what's soothing to me, so... Death of Anna, um, particularly the songs Hunstan and Pier, 54, Night Drives, St Paul's, but particularly Hunstan and Pier, I have to say, is like, I mean, anything Death of Anna does, to be honest, is soothing to me because of what that man means to me and what I feel from James, who's their front man's voice. But I'd say Hunt Stanton Pier is the most soothing song in the world for me. But I'd say anyone would find it soothing. If you don't find it soothing, okay then. Strange. Other things that I, other bands, and it's usually, I think it's mostly about the singer's voice, um, usually for me. I also find Young Guns really soothing and All Time Low 
and Yumi at six, and none of those will come to as any surprise probably for people who know me because I talk about these bands a lot, but genuinely I find, yeah, I've loved these bands for a really, really long time and they have come to mean so, so much to me. So when I'm listening to them, I, yeah, they're so familiar that I feel like cocooned. So I would say find your version of that or just listen to those bands and see because I think they are like they do have really comforting voices especially Death of Arrow and Young Guns like there's something about those voices that just yeah I feel all warm and fuzzy inside oh actually also Aurora who is probably a more traditionally comforting singer oh she's so good and her songs are so her voice is so soft and yeah, that's comfort. That is comfort and soothing in in a nutshell, is Aurora. Ellen's next question is, how do you manage when people you know and trust say icky things about mental illness? This is really tricky because I often personally find in those situations I get triggered or feel unsafe and uncomfortable. And I shouldn't in that position have to be the one to pull that person up on it. It's not my responsibility. But if you can, I'd say that that is a really great thing. Alternatively, what I tend to do is mention it quietly to someone else if I feel strong enough and ask them to talk to that person about it because, yeah, talking directly to the person can be really difficult. Sometimes they don't even know that they've said it, you know? People say fucked up shit all the time and they don't really mean it or they don't understand what's wrong with it and if you... If they find out what's wrong with it, they, they'll get it. Sometimes they won't, you know. <clears throat> My father, prime example. Um, if they continue to be that way and talk that way and think that way after you have kind of exposed them to what they did wrong or said wrong, that's more tricky. I don't know what advice I can give for that because particularly with for my father, for example, we essentially don't have a relationship because he says shit things all the time and I don't know how to be around that. And until I am in a stronger place, really, there's just going to be these limits on our relationship. And he doesn't get that and that's okay because I'm placing the boundaries that I need. So, yeah, boundaries is (laughs) the point of that... um, little tangent onto my relationship with my father um set boundaries for yourself if you're around this person a lot work out ways that you can avoid them more I know that sounds like a cop out but seriously avoiding people who are difficult to shake off but drain you and stress you out and trigger you avoidance is is a great tool honestly if it's online as well You can link them to articles about why it's wrong, if you know of any, or you can say, hey, that wasn't cool. You don't even necessarily have to explain it, and if they don't know about your illness, like, you don't have to disclose anything. You can just say, hey, you know, that's really not okay to say, or I don't think you should be saying that. And if they want to know why, why, why does it matter to you, or whatever, you can just be like... I just don't think it's cool, and leave it at that. You don't have to engage with them any further than that. Okay, Ellen's last question is, who are some cool people we should be following? 
Ooh. I'm guessing Ellen asked that on Twitter, so I'm sort of guessing that's Twitter, but I, I'll go with just the internets in general. Um, if you're on Instagram, I would recommend following Self Love Live. Live talks about mental illness. Um, I found her through like the body positive community, but mostly really she talks about like her life with bipolar and posts amazing things that every day I'm like, yes, thank you. Because she'll be like, this is me with mental illness. This is also me with mental illness. And one picture will be like her looking quite like joyous and whatnot. And then one like her looking really distressed and you know, just like things like that I think is important. Also, I would recommend following um, Doll Hospital, the zine, and also the founder, I think she's the founder, um, Bethany Rose Lamont. I will link these in the show notes, of course. Who else would I recommend following? Oh, I would recommend you follow Esme Weijun Wang, who is a writer and is just, I'm in awe of her. I adore her. She's so cool. And she talks about mental illness and she talks about chronic physical illness as well. Is completely amazing and she fills me with so much hope and I'm so inspired by her. She posts things like beautiful things regularly where she lists just like things that she's seen um and those always make me feel so fuzzy yeah those are like my top people I'd say for mental illness stuff outside of my friendship group and basically all the previous podcast guests um oh no also Sam Dylan Finch is fucking rad, and everything he writes, I'm like, frame this, stick it up everywhere. I yeah, um, Sam Dylan Finch's writing is amazing. Yeah, those people, I'd say, are the people you should be following. Now moving on to the lightning round. Woohoo! So the first question I've sort of recently added this in is what are you grateful for right now? So right in now, in this moment, I am grateful for my friends. And that's, I think that's probably obvious by this point in the podcast episode because I've talked about how much I love you guys a lot. Yeah, I'm grateful for Anna and Ellen and Pip and our partner and my friend Haley, who you guys probably don't know, but she's the best, and I am grateful for George especially, and I am grateful for so many people in my life. You guys are great. I'm also grateful for music. I'm always grateful for music, but right now, like, so many bands that I love so intensely have been coming out with new stuff, and it is fucking rad. Um, the new Paris song, just because that's my wife. And the new Paramore song, Hard Times, is a jam. Just music, music, always music. Do you have a go-to comfort book? Hmm. 
This is possibly controversial in, like, feminist circles, but The Perks of Being a Wallflower, I think I read that first when I was 12, and I've read it so many times, and I have owned, like, three or four copies over the course of this time. And I watched the movie when it first came out, like, three times in the cinema, and just, I've, yeah, I, I love it. I know that it is problematic in a lot of ways, but... 12-year-old me found something in it. I don't... I still don't know to this day what it is about that story and those characters and that voice that makes me feel so cosy and not alone. But it... It is everything. I can go back to that again and again and never be bored. I could probably read it constantly and not be bored. Also, another thing that, again, is going to, like... People are going to be like, oh, but The Fault in Our Stars by John Green. Again, I read, I think I read that. How old were we when I read that? I was 15, I must have been. Um, and this is really weird, especially as this person might be listening. I have no idea. But in my first, like, really serious relationship, we were obsessed with that. And it was kind of our thing, which kind of makes me groan now because, oh. But, um, you know, it was really important to me and it was really important to us. And I I read it in hospital over and over again. Um, I was, you know, I was hospitalised, I don't know, like six months after it came out. And it was my favourite thing. And I just, I read it, I always had it by my bedside there. And that was important to me at probably, yeah, the worst year of my life. So... You know, it holds a special place in my heart, and I will always... And I guess I'm a real sop, is the thing. Like, I like really cheesy bullshit. Um, so, yeah. Ooh, what's your favourite feel-good motivation song? Oh, shit. Oh, this is hard. I can't choose one. That's just not a thing. Um, well, right now, Hard Times by Paramore is a fucking yes, and it gets me out of bed, like, every day. It's perfect for that. Um, motivation songs. I'm not. I'm not just leaving it at that because I just love music. Um, oh, Rising Up by Young Guns is like yes. I feel unbeatable. I feel like I could run marathons, several of them in one go, and I do not run. But when I'm listening to that song, I feel like I could do that. I probably couldn't, because running is really not for me. But I feel like it, and that's awesome. I'll leave it at those two, actually, because if I try and think of, like, all the songs that do that for me, like, we'll just be here all day. So the other one is, what's the best song when you just need to cry and feel through shit? Therapy by All Time Low. Just that song more than anything else in the whole wide world. I have seen them live uh a lot of times and they have played it at every single show that I've been to and pretty much every single time I've cried I think actually no every single time not pretty much every single time sometimes it's just lightly sometimes it's full on sobbing uh I recently saw them on their tour in March like three times and the first time I was like quite calm like I was crying but it was quite chill Second time, I was a fucking mess because that was a really, really bad week. Um, 
like I nearly didn't go to the show which is just unheard of when it comes to all time though like I would never even consider that but I really I really couldn't deal with it or I felt like I couldn't deal with it I did go I'm glad I went but I, I yeah I was full on sobbing and then the third time again slightly less intensely than the second time but like I was full on sobbing and I'm seeing them again at the end of May and I'm probably gonna full on sob again because just I just love them and I love that song that song is like my song um also after the war by young guns which i don't know it's less depressing because it's kind of like a victory song in a weird way um there's a line which i'm sure lots of people know and it's in my twitter bio and like it's my thing is a line that goes i still refuse to give up hope and i just yeah that song is everything and whilst like it is a really positive song in a way it's also really not um it doesn't feel it but also like it just yeah it makes me cry it makes me just feel shit so not feel shit but like feel my shit if that, yeah I know what I mean you know what I mean it's cool what's your favorite act of self-care hmm. Hmm. swimming 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 unless I like can't leave the house in which case listening to music or reading uh, are my things but yeah swimming is probably my number one okay the last one is like what makes you a hurricane what makes you a force of nature so I thought I would explain to I I don't know if have I explained it before like the meaning of being a hurricane and where that came from so it came from the singer Halsey who I adore she lives with bipolar which I guess she's very open talking about it or she she has been very open talking about it and to me that was really inspiring because I guess I'd never heard anyone talk about things other than depression and anxiety before so it was really refreshing to hear that but also the fact that she just owned it she was like you know what this is this is a part of who I am she wasn't trying to say you know when people are like separate it from you and I get that I do but I also feel like nah this is this is part of me <laughs> just deal with it so yeah I always feel like that's um actually Sam Dylan Finch who I mentioned earlier wrote a really good thing on this recently or did he write it or did he tweet about it I don't know I'll find the thing about how like that's usually people being uncomfortable with your mental illness so it kind of sucks so yeah anyway Halsey I was really inspired by that, and also she has a song called Hurricane, which I fucking love, and when she does it live, she always has, like, a little speech beforehand, and the first time I saw her live, she was like, um, this song is about belonging to nobody but yourself, and I thought that was amazing. I believe that, like, the meaning of Hurricane, for her anyway, was originally about owning your sexuality, and, like, your body being yours and you can do whatever you want with it kind of thing but I have always taken it I guess I've always related it to her talking about bipolar and I took it to mean like okay um this is a part of who I am right and it's kind of messy but it's also kind of cool in a weird way and she's talked about that a lot about how like yeah, bipolar sucks sometimes and she gets really down and she acts out sometimes and but she doesn't wish that she didn't have it and that 
it is kind of it makes her brain work in the way that allows her to create um stuff like that and so that's what I took from it I guess so being a hurricane for me means that yeah like sometimes I don't really want to be alive let's be honest but I also I am quite good at turning that all into something I'm quite good at I can write about it and I can do the podcast and like empathize with people and make things that speak to people who are struggling so that is the end of this episode uh thank you for listening to me ramble for this whole time it was fun to record and it's kind of nice to be asked questions sometimes um it's kind of weird but it's kind of cool yeah um i hope that you got something out of that i did actually just reading back anna's list out loud instead of just in my head or looking at it was really nice so yeah um talk soon hopefully